Boomcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Boomcast. We got another great episode for you today. As always, I'm your host, Storm. I got my co-host, Evil. And we got a special guest. Uh, we have Andrew. He is from Henley and Goodwin, the law firm. He's a good friend of ours and our personal lawyer, if you want to call it that, for our up-and-coming organization. Andrew, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me, guys. So today, I just want to, we just kind of wanted to, uh, I know we're going to talk gaming, we're going to talk esports, we're going to do what we do. Uh, we're going to kind of bring out some expertise from you as well uh, in your, uh, I guess, facet of the industry, being law, and how that mm -hmm. interacts with esports. And uh, But first, like, let's just get to know you a little better for the people who don't know you already. Um, <laughs> give us a little background on yourself uh, and, yeah, what you're all about. Sure. Yeah, so uh, my name is Andrew Goodwin, and I am an attorney in Nashville, Tennessee. I uh, moved here in 2019 and started a law firm with my partner, Holland Henley. Uh, and we, we both went to Texas A&M School of Law in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where we, that's where we met in our first, first class ever. Uh, kind of tossed around the whole idea of a law firm during law school and throughout. And that final year of law school, we were like, all right, are we doing this or not? And uh, we were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. Uh, we both kind of had more creative backgrounds, so we wanted to do entertainment law. And, uh, you know, we could have stayed in Texas, uh, but, you know, two 20-something-year-old dudes, we were just trying to live somewhere else just for the heck of it, right? So we had a, Holland had a few connections here in Nashville. He went to undergrad here at Belmont, studied music business. So uh, it seemed like a cool place to me. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we moved here. Uh, we Esports was is uh, kind of, you know, I enjoy consuming esports like everyone else here. Um, 2016, I would say, is the first year I found myself, like, consuming esports more than traditional sports and starting to become, like, my main area of entertainment consumption. Um, so... It just kind of grew from there, and you know, I saw the esports space as a, a space that needed some uh, needed more lawyers. Which you know, not everyone likes to hear that, but <laughs> it's the unfortunate truth, right? We're like the uh, we got the rule book, so um, yeah. So we've been uh, slowly building our esports practice along with with the rest of our practice, and uh, yeah, we're having a good time. Right on. Music City. Music City is a great place, too. I've been there a couple of times. I was actually stationed at Fort Campbell between the years of 2011 and 2014. So I spent a lot of time in Nashville. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Nashville's been cool. I mean, to be honest, uh, we, we moved here in November 2019 and then the pandemic hit in March. And so we we barely had time to really explore Nashville. And I was it was also like we were bootstrapping this firm, right? So so both of us, you know, had barely any money to to do anything. So by the time the first time we ever paid ourselves was uh my birthday, February 29th, and like 10 days, 11 days before the pandemic. So we really didn't explore Nashville at all. So I'm still like, I'm still itching to get out and explore it more. But the one thing I will say is the trees are taller here than in Texas. And there's like so much more greenery and, and the nature has been my favorite part, like experiencing a full set of seasons. So I've enjoyed that at least from, from my balcony. So I'll, uh, 
I'll have to get with you offline and give you some some little tidbits of information on the places I explored and stuff when I was down there. You know, not not just bars and restaurants and stuff like that, but I mean, like Nashville and in the state of Tennessee in general is just there's so many beautiful waterfalls and like just really cool places to visit. I don't know if you've been down to Pigeon Forge yet in Gatlinburg, but uh, man, I mean, you and your buddy can get a cabin out there for super cheap. I and mean, we used to do it. We'd get like four dudes together. We just go up there, get an Airbnb, and hang out. It's super fun. Yeah, I think uh, definitely have some plans with my my board game group to to get out to the Smokies this uh, this fall. So board game group, let's elaborate on that for a minute. Yeah, I uh, back in college, I really got into board games. Um, so I'll just throw off my favorite Risk Legacy. It's the best oh. game you'll ever play. It's it's nothing Great like game. I don't want to say it's nothing like Risk, but it's it's uh it's like a condensed version of risk with more fun stuff more uh more ways to win so it's not total world domination but it's like a 15 game campaign with like changing rules and stuff so that's my favorite another another favorite of mine is blood rage which was a kickstarter game it's kind of like uh combat worker placement a couple of different things but that's a good one and then uh star realms little deck building card game okay really good one. cool yeah. Are you? Have you ever uh, gotten into Dungeons and Dragons? Or I, I did one one playthrough with like a, a random group when I first moved to Fort Worth for law school, and to me it was like too much work. It was like too imaginative. So like, there's some really good uh, games that are like I guess a little bit lighter, less. You know, you don't have to have like a good dungeon master. There's Time Stories, Space Cowboys, which is like a a really good one, and then the Sherlock Holmes games. If you can get one that doesn't have typos or, or like bugs, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say D and D. Like I, I love it. I just started playing it during when COVID hit. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to RPG uh, Rising Phoenix Gaming, the group over there that we're partnered with. They do a lot of fun stuff over there. Um, it is very dependent on the DM. Like if you don't have a good DM, like the game's gonna suck. Yeah. Shout out Mr. Second Half if you're watching this. You're a great DM and it's been super fun so far for me anyway. Nice. All right. So speaking on like gaming and whatever, you gave us a little bit of your business background. Let's uh cut to the triple F segment. All right, triple F segment. So basically, this is just to get to know you a little better as from a gaming perspective. Three questions. They all start with an F. First question. What was the first video game you ever played in memory? Uh, so that's probably Commander Keen. If you are familiar with MS-DOS, uh, it was before Windows 95. Okay, so- yeah, you're going back. Yeah, it was on a floppy disk. I'm I'm 29, but I uh, I have four older siblings, and my mom was building computers in the 90s. So oh, wow. yeah, we had we had tons of tons of games on DOS. So Commander Keen uh, definitely is like the first one that comes to mind. Bobby Prince, he's a, a famous uh, musician for he did I think he did like Duke Nukem's music and nice. Major Striker, uh, a couple others, and so he did the music for Commander Keen. Uh, for a couple of them so so for people who don't know that game or don't uh have never seen it or anything what what did the game entail what kind of game was it yeah it's a it's a side scroller you control uh keen which is like 
this little little kid, uh, and he is just going through, uh, you know, meeting different weird characters, and he has like a little toy gun that he uses and a pogo stick. Uh, and man, the music really is the, is like the shining star of that game. It's a good game. I've I've gone back and played it since then, and it still holds up as like a solid side scroller. So, is it one of yeah. those things like if you heard a, a track from the soundtrack, like it would bring you back? Oh, me, yeah. But I mean, it, it's not like as recognizable as you know Duke Nukem or something like that. But uh, yeah, I I'll, every now and then I'll throw on probably like once a year I'll throw on the the. Uh, playlist on youtube right like like, like an 8-bit track like 8-bit track no it's 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 a little bit beyond that um but there's commander keen one two and three are like not as good in my opinion it kind of really leveled up with commander keen four four five and six and then keen dreams was a pretty good one but yeah super good series right on. a lot of good boss games that people just never got to experience honestly Floppy yeah. discs yeah all right next question <laughs> Uh, most forgettable video game. So this is a game that you you know you put a little time into and like instantly nope this isn't for me and like I'm never playing it ever again. Well, to be honest, I forgot what it was. But um, let's see. Most forgettable. I don't know. What are what are some other guests' answers on that one? Uh, there were some role playing games, some like strategy games that just were not it um oh this one will piss a lot of people off knights of the old republic i couldn't do it i hate turn fans i hate them and i'm like i'm like a big star wars fan uh, or i was still am sort of it's it's a sensitive subject but my two brothers and my sister were like obsessed with it and i really wanted to play it at one point i watched a bunch of the youtube videos of just like to get the story they go deep Dude, I've always wanted to, and I'm, I hope they do like a, a good remake. I know there was like a fan remake going, but honestly, I tried it, couldn't get past like the first level or not even level, whatever it's called, first segment. Did you, choose, like, you didn't choose your path, dark or light? No, no, no. I couldn't do the the turn base. It's like so boring to me. Yeah, I mean, to each their own. Either. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. No. It's they okay. uh. Actually, I have I've, I've been wanting to look into. Have you been into like flight simulators at all? I know they just pushed out Star Wars Squadrons. I think it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely wanted to check that out because I really enjoyed like the uh, the flight mode on um, what's it called Battlefront Two, and then I played Rogue Squadron again. I played that on PC, where I, th- I think most people played that on what N sixty four maybe or PlayStation One. Either way, I played it on PC. That was one of my favorites, Rogue Squadron. Super good. I, uh, what's that one line? Uh, Luke ends up flying, and he's like, they're attacking the homestead. And it's, yeah, it's, I remember a lot of lines from that one. That was a, a, that was a good one. I also played, uh, like, on PC back when I was a kid, like, M16 and MiG-20, not M16, F-22, MiG-29. Yeah. And uh, was cool. you remember those? Like, the, yeah. the random, like, fighter jet simulators? Those were mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah, those are cool. All right, last question. Uh, you're trapped on an island. You got thousand up, thousand down internet. You're connected, but you only get one game for the rest of your life. And like, you can choose what if that's on a console, if that's on your phone, whatever. One game for the rest of your life. Yeah, I feel like this is easier now that uh, games are kind of like in continual update mode. Uh, but dude, I'm going Apex. For sure. It's like, it's been my main since the day it came out. And like, 
I still have just a total blast on that game. It never gets old to me. Right on What's Apex Legends. On? Yeah. Do you play it on PC or like Xbox or? Uh, right now, I play on PS4. Uh, okay. We're we're saving up. Save, Heavenly and Goodwin is saving up for some some nice battle stations. So nice. we'll be there soon. I'll make the transition to PC. <laughs> I love when you call it battle uh, station. You ever played Titanfall? Yeah, I played a bit of Titanfall. I, I like I like Apex more because Titanfall. I, I'm not like a fan of the big mechs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, whenever I play Titanfall, I'll, I would do the pilot only mode. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's why I like Apex so much more because it's like it's like pilot only with cool yeah. ability and stuff. I so. gotcha. Right on. Well, now that we know a little bit more about you from a gaming perspective, uh. Let's jump into, I guess, your area of expertise. Um, so for everybody who's watching this, if you saw our little uh, skit we did the other week <laughs> about our rebrand that's currently in the works, you'll know that we ran into some issues with our first go at it. And uh, thanks to Andrew here and you know some discussions and some knowledge uh, being passed around, we realized that you know the legal side of things is kind of important when you're trying to start a business or a brand. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess first question to you would be is, um, how often do people overlook, I guess, the legal side of things and come to you at, or come to at the last minute kind of thing? You know what I mean? Well, okay. So always, every time, uh, <laughs> everyone hates paying lawyers. I mean, I get it. We're fairly expensive and it's like, it's, um, it's kind of like getting new tires for your car. You know you need it, but you're like, my car's a 99 Corolla, and I hate spending money on it. So Still driving, I, so yeah, yeah. But like, you have to do it because, like, if you don't, it's you're like, you're you're putting more risk on yourself, right? It's like, yeah, yeah maybe it'll still it'll still drive, not on the highway, mind you. But it, you know, I might blow a tire and kill myself. So in the same vein, it's like. Yeah, you know, paying lawyers to get everything set up and and get your business on like a legally sound footing is uh it's not a fun expense. That's the thing. It's it's not fun to do, but at the end of the day, especially in the area we deal with, which is like a lot of contract drafting and intellectual property stuff, it's it's the stuff that people don't really think about at first um because the you know the importance of your intellectual property especially for for these orgs you know at the end of the day the trademark it's a source identifier it tells the consumer of that good or service like hey this is a this is a, a trademark this is a mark i know and love they're going to have the quality i know and love every time and if you spend all this time building up this this brand recognition uh tnt and then and then find out oh wait there's a there's a massive network called tnt that people that's where their their first thought is going to go to because they've established this this sort of uh recognition in the mind of the consumer so it's like you you kind of have to get on that stuff at the beginning as painful it is when you're when you're kind of bootstrapping you know uh because you want to make sure you're you're not going to get kind of bit further along i mean a good example of that is is phase clan right they got sued by phase apparel los angeles and they honestly they could have just reached out at the very beginning or changed their name maybe gotten permission from them i mean they could have done it so many different ways uh but instead they went the route of getting sued and spending more on attorneys in the long run because they had to fight that and then eventually they settled out of court 
And also, I saw on LinkedIn today that Faze just hired a brand new in-house legal counsel. So congrats to, to her. Uh, I'm sure she's going to be a fantastic attorney. I don't know her name, but I saw it earlier. So that's cool for them. That's a big step in a, in a company to, to get an in-house attorney. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And they're a prime example because they kind of came up over the past decade, I would say. And uh, it, they started out as just like a bunch, a bunch of dudes. Um, you know, they, they, they were just like a, they were just like a, like a trick shot. Like, yeah, video, they, like, they were just like a bunch clan. of dudes making uh, content, sniper clan, trick shots, whatever. And obviously uh, with the following, they built it blew up into something more, but I don't think they were necessarily privy or ready for all of the things that came along with that, you know, they yeah. thought, they thought, Hey, let's just slap our logo on some clothes and start selling this stuff and whatever, without really, you know, again, skipping over the lawyer part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, yeah, unfortunately they get, you know, they hit that roadblock, but eventually they got over it. So, yeah, I guess as we have learned and as other people have learned, it's super important to do your due diligence as far as uh, if anybody's out there watching this and, you know, you're looking to start a personal brand or an org or, um, you know, you're a streamer or whatever, and you have content and branding that you want to keep as your own, you got to do your due diligence and maybe look into hiring a lawyer like Andrew here. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely stuff you want to take care of up front because, you know, yeah, it's going to be a little bit expensive, but in the long run, you don't want to have to run those issues where you're trying to retroactively do everything because it's, Every time it's more expensive when you when you wait and do it in the end. And it's like if, if your company is, is successful, inevitably you're gonna run into to something if you didn't take care of it up front. And and honestly, for this is just kind of general advice for, for people that are interested in starting a business or starting an org, especially one with partners, is getting that, that operating agreement down at the beginning, which kind of establishes the internal policies of the org or the business it kind of shows you like who's serious about this, who really is ready to put in some work because once, uh, once money starts coming around, like that's when stuff starts to get more complex, you know, and people are like that were, you know, leading up to everything seemed really excited and gung ho and like ready to go with the business. Once it's like, Hey, can you contribute a thousand dollars or something like that? It's all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, I just want to be here when the windfall comes, you know? So, right. So, so like getting that stuff established up front, not only is good for your business in the long run, but helps you kind of weed out the the players that are not going to be as helpful and committed to to the business. So that's a good point. Yeah. Thankfully I got a good partner over there. Yeah. Yeah. Just being proactive rather than reactive. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, kind of touching on uh, esports and organizations, I guess. Um, in your experience, how many uh, organizations have, like you just kind of mentioned with Phase Clan, like in-house legal counsel? Like, is that is that a common it's, thing, or no? Because that is like for a company to need in-house counsel, it means they're doing well. You know, uh, because that means that that attorney is only working on their stuff all day. I mean, most orgs are not going to need that, right? Like, you can have sort of like an outside counsel um, setup, which I think is like probably better for for almost every every company 
that's just mid-size. So just for um, the people who don't know, uh, myself included, what's the difference between outside and in-house? Like, what is the yeah. distinction? So in-house means that that attorney is going to be an employee. Uh, let's just use FaZe as an example. Um, like, that attorney is going to be an employee of FaZe. And so she's going to be working on their stuff and she's not going to be taking on clients unless she's, you know, has something in her agreement separately. Uh, so they're going to be dedicating all of their focus, all of their energy to that company specifically. Whereas an outside counsel is like, you know, it's, I'm still going to be Henley and Goodwin, right? And I might be handling you guys' stuff, but I'm also handling, you know, 25 other clients or however I have going at that time. Right. So right. while my energy is certainly devoted towards solving your issues and making your matters, you know, getting your matters done, I'm also balancing between a bunch of other clients. Right. So in-house just gives you more of like, this person is focused on us only. They're always going to be available. Anytime we have an issue come up, they're always going to be on call. It's always going to be taken care of, you know, and, and you can, you you don't have to worry about like you know paying out legal fees because you're already paying a salary right it's right. easier to kind of budget for that it, you know when you have such a a large budget um you can kind of be like okay this is like we're going to pay this much and that's how much we're going to pay on on legal it's not an ambiguous amount anymore right on that makes sense now now who audits that contract like, is it the individual lawyer themselves or they are they kind of bringing it up to like another entity as well? You know, handling that that contract deal between a lawyer and a, and a, and a clan like that, like her, like uh, the employment agreement they have yeah. from from the company. So mm -hmm. so basically, again, to use phase as, as an example, they should not have her write her own contract, right? They should have, they should hire an attorney to write that employment agreement. And then she should, you know, look it over herself or have another attorney look it over for her if it's not her area of expertise. But most people who are doing in-house stuff kind of have a, a broad spectrum of, of specialty. Uh, they kind of dabble in a ton of different buckets being general counsel for, for a company like that. Uh, but yeah, certainly she should not have written her own employment agreement. Uh, but I'm sure she had she had a big hand in in negotiating the terms yeah. and stuff. She already has that expertise. It's like that question: Who cuts your barber's hair? You know, like someone's yeah. got someone yeah. for everything. Uh, speaking on like the broad spectrum of uh, specialties, I guess in the field. Um, Again, this is me being naive, I'm not sure. But when you're in law school and everything, does everybody come out with the same, uh, I guess, level of expertise or, or general understanding of the whole of law and then choose a path? Or it, within school, within your schooling process, did you pick a specific path? So, so there's not really uh, like specific law degrees that you can get uh, necessarily. But you can somewhat, I, and I don't even want to say specialize because there's like legal rules about holding yourself out as a, as a specialty or expert or whatever. Um, but you can kind of, the first year and a half, basically, of law school, it's a three-year three -year time, three-year term. Uh, the first year and a half is kind of, they're teaching you how to think like a lawyer, and you're all taking sort of the same classes, right? Constitutional law, criminal law, criminal procedure, civil procedure, all that stuff. And then that fourth semester, you kind of get to, you know, narrow down and, and pick some, some classes, some electives. 
So, you know, I chose to pick things that were like more focused on intellectual property. So I took like entertainment law, uh, patent law, not, I don't do patents. I was just curious, uh, like one of the hardest classes I took, but geez, yeah, <laughs> that's why patent lawyers are so expensive. Um, cause it is so complex, but yeah, you get to kind of carve a little bit of a path that last year. Um, and I have lots of opinions about law school. If, 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 if I was to change the way law school was done, it would be two years only. Um, and then that third year, you would just be doing uh, working in a clinic or kind of like a doctor's or residency. You would be doing an internship. Right. But yeah. there's so many ways that, you know, people could game that system, right? Um, but I think that that third year of law school is kind of pointless. You're kind of just, you already know how to think like a lawyer. Because, like, I don't know all the laws, right? But I know how to research like a lawyer. I know how to yeah. find the answers. You know, I know where to look and, and kind of what a contract, what all of that stuff sort of means. But, you know, you don't really need to take a bunch of extra classes necessarily, in my opinion. But right. anyways, it's neither here nor there. No, I was always just curious if, like, you know, everybody came out the other end uh, with the same expertise and then said, okay, I'm going to now apply it to this kind of type of law or whatever. Yeah. But it's good to know that there's some like, you know, personalized uh, choices that you can make on what type of law you want to study within. That's yeah, cool. certainly. It starts to get a bit diversified, but the most important thing about law school is that first year and a half where you, where you learn to think like a lawyer because it, it rewires your brain, man. Hmm. I, feel like such a, a freak after law school. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, entertainment and esports and all of that, obviously you said uh, that's what piqued your interest. Uh, what about it, I guess, piqued your interest and, uh, you know, give us a little background on that. Are you into music or, or whatever? Like yeah. what made you choose that path? For sure. Uh, so I grew up in the entertainment industry. Um, when I was 12, I was a child model. I had an agent and everything. You could find me in the uh, JCPenney catalogs, Lord's catalogs. I even did, I did one thing for Sony. It was like a, some PSP attachment or something. Uh, but anyways, I, I like, I really loved my agent. Like she, uh, Diane at the Campbell agency, she's incredible. Um, and it's, it's rare you find really good agents in the modeling industry. Cause it's kind of a, kind of a horrible industry. Uh, <laughs> but like she was awesome and she was, she was always so kind and, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, her job was really cool and she was really good at communicating with, you know, she was working in the kids department, but, um, that's kind of what opened up my eyes to the entertainment industry as a whole. And everyone I came into contact, whether it was photographers or makeup artists, or set designers, whoever it was, they were always like so cool and creative and just like the people I wanted to be around. And, and, you know, my mom is a painter, so she's creative. So I always had this draw to creative things. Um, but then my creative ceiling was like, you know, lower. Uh, so I was like, how do I remain connected to these people? Um, and so entertainment law was just kind of like, um, where I, where I ended up, I, I initially wanted to be a talent agent um, for like actors and directors and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, as, as I got older, I started to see like more paths um, to stay connected in the entertainment industry and, and to help people in, in more of a way I wanted to. 
Um, and then esports, my introduction there was uh, my my good friend, uh, Brett Feli, MLC Stealth. He won the Smite World Championship um, in 2015. Nice. Uh, and that was kind of like my first intro to the world of competitive gaming. And he, he's a kid I, I grew up with in like middle school and high school. We kind of parted ways for a little bit there. Um, but now he's like, you know, someone I game with often. And so I, I saw like, uh, I was like, wow, this is like a whole new industry that is like, obviously just going to keep continuing to grow. And so, so I saw it as an area that I could um, really make a name for myself. Uh, you know, like entertainment law, it's, it's been around, right? It's, it's also just a fancy word for like intellectual property and business law. But like getting your foot in the door in, in entertainment is difficult. Um, but esports, there's more room, right? There's, there's probably less than a hundred lawyers that touch that industry at this point. And there's probably less than 10, uh, firms that are like probably less than five that are like dedicated esports firms. Um, so it really, for me, was a way as like a young lawyer to make a name for myself within the, the legal industry. And so that was really appealing and also just getting to be in the industry that I, I love to consume the entertainment from. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. You, you kind of, you kind of, uh, you went to school. So like everybody, you know, uses the, like the two paths, right? It's like, oh, you're an entrepreneur or, you know, you go the school route, you commit all that money, all that time. And then you come out with a degree or, you know, a specialty, a doctor, lawyer, whatever. But you went that school route, but also on the other end of it, have been able to like kind of combine like an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur's mindset and, you know, the things you're passionate about while still doing what you went to school for that career. That That's really rare, I think, and kind of awesome that you were able to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been fun uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, definitely. I, my, my undergrad degree is in fashion merchandising, uh, weirdly enough. Um, but that honestly has been like, uh, what, I, what I've found in, in the workforce is that people, almost every job, you know, when it's not really a specialty job can probably be done by anyone. And so, so what people are really looking for is like, do I vibe with this person? And like, do they have a cool story? And so like having unique things about yourself like oh i did fashion merchandising and then went to law school so i took the same trajectory as l woods from legally blonde you know like having something that is different is really what is is pretty important in the in the professional world there's just a story that's going to stick with people for sure well it just kind of sounds like you know you're at the right place in the right at, at, in the right time you know what i mean like esports is still in my opinion like in its infancy so you know, as these, uh, these professional, I mean, our area of, of emphasis within ourselves and our passion is Call of Duty. And, and especially we, you know, we've been trying to make it in the amateur Call of Duty scene, but as you see, you know, the league, uh, franchising, you know, like $25 million for, for a team to franchise and they're, they're connected to major cities and they're supposed to expand to 16 teams next season. I mean, that's only going to grow. And like, you know, sitting there thinking about like, okay, so as an amateur organization, kind of wanting to get in to get a piece of that kind of facing the reality in certain, to a certain sense is like, okay, so if I can't make it here, the, the sport itself is esports is in its infancy. You can, you're bound to make it somewhere else. And the mm-hmm. time is now. So yeah. it's like jump on the train while the getting is good and everything is kind of in this gray area 
whether you're a lawyer or you're a doctor and you specialize in, um, you know, physical therapy or something like that, there is a market for that in esports right now. Um, consulting, uh, content creation, like anything you can think of, like all these pillars are growing at the same time. Not to mention the school system now, kind of adapting esports programs and all, and that world just kind of opening up and it just the the list goes on. So, so everyone listening out there, honestly. If your goal is to be a professional gamer, but you still have a passion for it and you kind of like come to that realization that you're not going to get picked up by optic gaming or phase like it's just not realistic. You can still show the same passion in all any kind of different facet, you know what I mean? Whether it be like your your situation, you're a lawyer, you could do anything um, that you set your mind to in the world of esports right now and still remain relevant in the scene. So definitely. And and there's to kind of speak to that. There's, there's a lot of cool things going on in esports right now because, because it's such a new industry, people are trying so many cool things like uh, esports arena, which is, is the company that um, has little gamer lounges inside of Walmart's. They do a cool thing with Apex where they have this Series E. It's like a little amateur league, basically, where where people can, you know, have the opportunity to get picked up by sponsors. And, you know, them being partnered with Walmart, they have access to these really cool sponsors. So it's it's like, a you know, a cool way to to get your name out there as, a, as an amateur uh, organization and, and, you know, maybe pick up some more viewers on Twitch and all that stuff. So... There's definitely like a lot of cool things happening and it'll be cool to see what rises to the top throughout all of it. For sure. Uh, Speaking of sponsorships. um, So we've obviously talked with you about, uh, you know, trademarking and the importance of that and, you know, getting those checks done Um, as, as companies or, you know, esports organizations or even personal, like uh, private, you know, individual people uh, building a brand of their own. As they start to grow, obviously sponsorships begin to play a part as, you know, their following grows and, you know, it's a, it's another facet for them to, you know, partner with people, make money themselves, but also promote products, et cetera. Um, how important at that point in time, I'm assuming, you know, a lot of the major sponsorship companies have their own lawyers on hand and whatever. How important is it for a, say an individual, you know, content creator or streamer or organization to also have a lawyer on their end before signing those types of sponsorship deals? Yeah. I I mean, I would say it's monumentally important because, uh, there's, I I wrote a little, uh, guide and you can find it on my website. It's a little guide for esports players and content creators. Um, but really the, the main thing I was trying to push on in that, in that little blog was that, when someone presents you with a contract, whether it's an org or a sponsor or something, it's because you have value that they want, right? So a big thing in in this world of esports and content creation is helping players and content creators understand their positioning within the industry and understanding that when someone brings you a contract, you don't just have to sign it, right? You're allowed to push back because they're not just going to rescind the deal immediately if you ask questions or push back on the terms of the contract because they wouldn't be coming to you unless they wanted you to be a part of their team. And honestly, most of the time, if someone does, uh, you know, say rescind an offer because you wanted to push back on the agreement, 
then you dodged a bullet. It wasn't a good agreement to go with in the beginning. So it's like, that's a good thing. So you want to know, like, you know, you're going to have a certain amount of bargaining power, right? You're not going to be able to push back on every term and get everything you ask for. But, you know, you can ask, like you're allowed, right? Um, and uh, Holland uses, my, my business partner uses this uh, example of like, when someone offers you a contract, they give you the most heavy-handed one at first, right? And if you push back, they open up their filing cabinet and they go to file number two and they hand you that new revised one. You push back on that one, they're going to go to the third one. I mean, eventually, maybe you find that you're just not going to reach an agreeable agreement. Um, but you have positioning to push back. And, and there's a, a lot of uh, things um, just in contracts generally I'll give a little bit of general advice about is look at the term of the contract. That's a good place to start pushing back, right? If someone comes and wants to sign you for two years and they're you know not a super well-known org or something and they, they don't have a ton to offer, maybe try asking to do a one-year term. That way, you know, you can have a renewal option in there where you renegotiate things. That way you're not getting, say, locked into a two-year term where they're only giving you like a hundred bucks a month, right? Mm -hmm. You can try to do a shorter term so that as you grow in that year, because your audience is going to grow if you're grinding out for a year, right? You're going to have more leverage at that point. So you want to be able to renegotiate. So just like be aware of, of the leverage that you have as a, a player or a content creator and push back on that term. And there's lots of other Im important places you can uh, kind of push back on. Always really read that intellectual property uh, clause real carefully uh, because as content creators and esports players, you, your IP is, is some of your most important assets, right? If we, when we hear those gamer tags, we know like we associate it with, with something we like, with a brand we like. So, so that's what's important. So make sure you're not giving up too much of your, your, your own brand if you can. And just, just remember, yes, they're going to bring you value too, but a contract should define the relationship between the two parties. It, it should be beneficial for both parties. It shouldn't just be one side is receiving a benefit and the other side is getting shafted. So just remember your positioning, remember your leverage, push back where you feel it's appropriate, have an attorney look at it. They'll help you do that. Um, yeah. I think that goes with uh, business partnerships too. You know, I mean, before this is a little background for Storm and I, before we even started thinking about launching anything, we signed a partnership agreement between the both of us, both of us, you know, and we kind of set those standards on paper. Like, Hey man, like, I'm not going to screw you over if you don't screw me over. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. it's just like, it's, it, it's important. At the end of the day, we don't want to do that for each other because we consider ourselves great friends, but it's still a necessity to be done. It's still kind of like that insurance policy. It's, it's being proactive rather than reactive. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, a lot of people get like scared by contracts. They're like, Oh, I don't want them to think that like, you know, I don't trust them or things like that. But it's like, if you, if you look at it from a lens or a framing of like, a contract is just defining the relationship and it's making sure that promises made are promises kept and that they're legally enforceable. Uh, you know, Holland and I have a partnership agreement as well and we split everything 50, 50. So it's, it's a pretty even agreement, but mm -hmm. um, you know, you just have to have it on paper. You got to prepare for, for everything. And you, you're going to speak to, you know, what happens if someone wants to exit the partnership? Do they yeah. can the other partner buy out your portion and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's the type of stuff you just want to you want to really hash out at the beginning. 
uh, so that you're just prepared moving forward for any possible yeah. scenario. And connecting that to Call of Duty, you got guys like, you know, that get dropped on rosters or, or benched per se, but mm-hmm. they're essentially restricted free agents at that point. You know what I mean? They cannot get picked up by another team. For example, Pristini last season with the uh, uh, Florida Mutineers and then Huntsman picking them up. Huntsman, Optic Hex, he had to buy out his contract from the Mutineers in order to acquire him. So, I mean, it's yeah. only going to remain prevalent as, a, as time goes on. Yeah, certainly. And and I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but we'll see what happens because, you know, like the NFL and other traditional sports, they have like these collective bargaining agreements and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. It's kind of, uh, it's such an interesting industry because right now, like the publishers of these games hold so much power, which is like so different than like traditional sports. And yeah. honestly, it's getting harder and harder to compare the two, uh, in my opinion, because they're just so, so different. But yeah, yeah interesting stuff it's uh yeah. go ahead activision's a monopoly within itself right now to be honest yeah. with you like yeah. they, they own so much so many rights and so many stakes into a lot of things I, i've heard horror stories of like you know guys like just joe schmoes off the street trying to throw up a land and then all of a sudden like a competitor of that guy doesn't like what he's doing or doesn't want to see him as a competitor so they'll go to activision and be like hey this guy's trying to host a land using your game like you know yeah, it's uh, like uh, same with uh, Psyonix, who who owns Rocket League. They have, you know, you can find most of these people have tournament rules, right? And there's like you're only allowed to give out a certain amount in prize winnings uh, if you're like an unsanctioned tournament. And so there's there's definitely going to be uh, a lot of interesting rules at play from each different publisher. So it's it's like everything is so varied between different games it's it's really interesting i feel like back to the uh, point of comparing to traditional sports i feel like everybody's drawn to that comparison like right off the bat because it's like kind of the closest thing but to your point i honestly think i don't think the comparison is fair um just because it is built so differently and i feel like esports is kind of paving its own path right now um how it operates you know, like you said, we have uh, developers and, you know, uh, game creators that own so many, so much rights and everything. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think the comparison is only going to get further and further apart as we continue to go on here. Yeah, I think the only, the only fair comparison really is that it's all about, they're both about competition, you know, yeah, like at the end of the day, we all like competition and that's, that's what it is. It's, it's competition. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and uh, back to your point about like um, you know people and making sure that they have their own legal counsel and stuff. There's been plenty of examples. I mean, not to cite Phase again, but Tifu was a player for Phase. Uh, no wonder Phase has their own counsel. That's why I was gonna that. say there's probably a reason they they made that move. Um, yeah, but uh, my biggest fear would be you know uh, any any. We try and like uh, with our personal brand and everything, we're trying to look out for like the the younger crew of people coming up, the esports people, people who uh, maybe aren't as privy business wise or savvy with these types of things. We're trying to with this podcast and with other forms of content, we're trying to look out for people and get as much information out there as possible. Because yeah. ultimately, my biggest fear would be, you know, you see like these young kids, like you know, they build a brand and like they work hard, they're streaming, they're doing this, they're doing that. They have a huge following, whatever, and then all of a sudden they get screwed over by 
either a sponsorship deal or an organization and it just kind of like puts a halt or, you know, a real damper on everything they were trying to do. And the the biggest thing is for these young kids to be uh, aware um, and have the right people in their corner looking out for them as well. Uh, when these bigger, you know, more established companies approach them with, you know, all their big contracts, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, one, one line of advice, which I think is in my little esports guide is don't let your excitement overtake your, your business acumen. You know, just because you're excited about something doesn't mean it's the right decision. Right. Uh, so always, always try and like take a day or two, let the excitement kind of chill out and then really think about, okay, is this what's best for, for me and my brand? Is this going to add value to me and my brand? Or am I just excited to be recognized by somebody? Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the, the, both of those goes, go both ways. Like while uh, a company can kind of screw over a young kid, but also like if that company does screw over that kid and that, that kid does have a following and then just does like a tell all that kind of ruins the reputation of that company as well. Like, so it's, it's a double-edged sword in that sense. It's like, we have to just make good on each other and, you know, like having, having law involved and everything is just, it's just one of those things. It's just like, it's a no fail task when it, when it comes to this industry, especially yeah, because it's in its infancy. The court of public opinion is, is stronger than ever these days. So oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely real quick. Cancel culture. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's, it's here for good or for bad. A lot of these people need to be canceled. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely you, you have some collateral damage here and there. But I think ultimately when people are being shitheads, am I allowed yeah. to say that? Yeah, you can say that. I mean, yeah, man. That's one of the biggest things yeah. is, 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 I mean, you see it in the Call of Duty amateur scene right now. It's ran by kids. Like, there's only so many guys that are just kind of like, trying to be professional and really kind of taking this more mature approach to things. And it's, if we are to see the amateur scene grow, we have to steward that and really guide it in the direction it needs to go to ensure that growth can be possible. Because right now, call of duty, the amateur call of duty scene is a very, it's a very low bar as far as looking at at esports as a whole and seeing Call of Duty kind of become that heavy hitter and, and be that continuous talked about realm when the amateur scene itself and guys that come up through it aren't really in like a good vi- environment culturally. So I think it's really on, on guys like us to really kind of guide that train and ensure that we hold each other accountable. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things. Definitely. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're like one big community. We all have our different areas of expertise. Uh, as esports continues to grow, we all we all have to uh, do our part, I guess, to um, apply our expertise and ensure it grows in the right way, and you know, limited casualties, I guess, along the way. Yeah, make sure it's a, make sure it's a place where people want to be and people want to hang out. You know, keep that safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, completely unrelated to law, I see the skateboard behind you. Uh, <laughs> I used to skateboard yeah. back in the day. Do you still uh, skateboard or? I do. I, I actually have a segment on TikTok. Jeez, talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, I, I do a segment on TikTok called Legal Tips and Skateboard Tricks. So uh, if you want to follow me on there, it's Lil underscore Esquire. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll link it here on the screen for everybody watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like, a, you know, I'm not insane. I can tell you the height of, the height of my uh, career was 
um, when I was, I'm 29 now, when I was like 16 or 17, I, I did a frontside 180 off of the infamous gap in our town called the Sprouts Gap. It was behind a grocery store. It's, it's like, a, it was a big gap. It's like six feet tall. So like it was standing like right above my head. Yeah. And um, the gap actually was, uh, it was pretty big. It, it was, it was like this big, but it was like, almost. it didn't matter because you were so high up. So like, no matter how fast you were going, you were going to clear it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That was, I, I don't do that much, that kind of stuff much anymore, but I definitely, uh, I definitely still hang out at the skate park fairly often. Um, I actually do, uh, well, I haven't started yet, but I, I volunteered and I'm starting, I think next month with uh, a skate church down here. Uh, there's, there's a, a skate park on sixth Avenue called sixth Avenue. I think is the skate park. <laughs> it's called rocket town. It's run by Michael W. Smith. You know, he's a Christian artist and he does a, he has a skate church. So they're always looking for people. Cool. That so, is really cool. Yeah. So I, sh- I should be starting that soon. I, I was supposed to start um, this month, but I, I had surgery on my ear. Uh, on the 28th of February or 27th. So I haven't been able to skate uh, since then, but I'll be back on the board soon. Um, yeah. Doing some tricks on TikTok. So yeah. And everybody look out for that little content series and that that's a perfect segue. Cause I was going to ask you um, in your field, how important do you think it is for you to produce content to get your business out there and your name out there? Dude, law firm marketing is like the most boring thing you can think of. So like me being like somewhat creative, I'm always trying to find ways to make it less boring. Um, and, and I'll say like, uh, law firms don't really get their clients off of social media. It's just not really the way that industry works. It's, um, Clio is a, a law practice management software. And they put out uh, legal trend reports every year. And I think, you know, the amount of employees or the amount of clients you're getting from social media is like less than 10%, if even that much. Okay. Um, so esports is a little different because like esports lives on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's just like a tradition in esports for some reason. So um, that's a, it's a little different for us, but it's been fun to try and think of like new fun ways to create content. Um, but at the end of the day, what I think just from a business perspective, content doesn't necessarily be good. Uh, it just has to be consistent. So you have to be putting out like a consistent amount of content to satisfy the algorithms. Um, and so that's what we try to do. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to focus on content when it's like you don't see those direct returns for it. You're like, I, yeah. I would rather be doing my billable work right now. But um, yeah, we're always trying to think of, of more fun ways to do content, uh, but it's hard. Right on. I was well, going to say, because your entertainment, you know, interest and background, you know, you, there's kind of a connection there as well that you could apply. Definitely. I think I think it's actually an untapped market and and, and, and observing, uh, you know, observing it right now, like, you know, the younger generations as Gen Z's and millennials, like we live on social media, like we are not going to lawyers because we saw them on a billboard and it's like, Hey, right. the hammer, like call the hammer. If you're in a, if you're in a wreck, like, no, like I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm seeing you on YouTube or I'm seeing you. Yeah, exactly. Or I'm seeing you on Twitter. So if you, you know, have yourself, 
you know, sort of like a content strategy, I think it'd be a great tool for advertising and, and just getting yourself your name out there. I know you say you got Clio, but maybe kind of push that agenda and really see what, what social media can do for you. Yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, pushing the boundaries here. Or what did I say? We're reimagining the legal field. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not um, not no, reimagining marketing. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not reimagining anything. We're just running a business. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we, we definitely spend, spend a bit, bit of time trying to come up with good, good strategies for, for uh, marketing. But social media for us has been interesting, right? Like, uh, it, and I think, I think we are kind of taking a page out of the realtor marketing handbook, which is like, you're not really, realtors are not special. You're really just selling like your personality. Mm-hmm. So uh, I focus more on just like trying to have my personality shine through on Twitter, which is why you see me constantly shitting on people <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I'm an idiot. No, I've always kind of grown up as like being like the funny guy or whatever, or the class clown. Uh, so I try to, to use that to my advantage because, you know, like you said, Gen Z and stuff, we're not all millennials. We're not about like all these white haired dudes in suits, right? Where it's like, yeah. do I vibe with you? And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Then let's work together. It's yeah. like the, the legal field has already established my credibility for me. Right. I, yeah. I did the hard work and got the license. And so I got my credibility kind of handed. I don't want to say handed to me. Law school is really hard. So is the bar. Uh, but like, I'm more like selling myself and trying to let my personality shine through on the internet. And I think that, I think people see the genuineness in that. And I think that's what, I think that's what millennials and Gen Z are about. It's like, are you genuine? Are you chill? Yeah. So you can, you can, you can appear in court and represent me in a suit, but Hey, we just, we just got this dub. Let's go get some beers, man. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's a huge, huge part of the next generation. Like you're saying one social media two. Just do I vibe with you? Do I, you know, get, do I have a good connection with you? Because if not, there's like 10 other people lined up, like I can run to exactly. or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, you're looking for that, you know, genuine connection. So yeah, selling yourself. Um, and yeah, I think it's nothing but a good idea for you to be like on Twitter and on socials and, you know, even doing like your, your skateboards uh, uh, segment. That's huge. Uh, I could even see you down the road having your own podcast type thing as well. Um, that would be cool. That's a lot of work. I, I like <laughs> our podcast because I don't have to do any of the thinking or preparing. I just have you to. You heard it here for, first, folks. He's going to be a reappearing guest on our podcast. Certainly. <laughs> Always happy to. And uh, I just want to do a quick shout out. Shout out Tommy Clark because if, if uh, you didn't appear on Tommy's podcast, we wouldn't have been connected. So it, shout out Tommy and what he's doing over there with esports economics. Uh, just like I said, going back to like everybody growing together and doing our part, uh, it really helps. And, and the uh, social media's power is huge because, you know, it's connecting people from all different walks of life, all different. I'm, I'm up in Canada. You guys are down in the US, so different parts of the world. Um, so yeah, shout out Tommy and... Uh, Social media is huge, people. Yeah. Get yourself out Yo. there. What was his gamer tag? Oh, Fishtail Banjo 38. Fishtail Banjo. Yeah. That sounds like one of those like automatic... Uh, it was. It was. Xbox gives you. He, it was. And uh, he had the choice to change it, but he said, nah, I'm sticking with it. So I respect nice. him for that. Well, while, we're, uh, while we're shouting out Tommy, I'll have to shout out who connected me with him, which is uh, 
Patrick Mahoney, he owns um, We Are Nations and several other esports companies. They're, they're an esports apparel company. Uh, shout out to him because he is honestly, Patrick is like goaded in my opinion. He he's been in the music industry and the esports industry for a long time and he's like the chillest most down-to-earth dude and like just trying to help people that's what he's all yeah. about and that's why he's successful is because he's he's a good dude with a good heart and uh he's been he's been instrumental in 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 our practice and uh yeah shout out to patrick Mahoney. he's the man Right he's on. always giving me reactions on Twitter too when I know he doesn't have to, you know. Yeah. If you're listening to this, Patrick, uh, bang my line. Let's get you on the podcast. <laughs> I bet he'd do it. Yeah. Right on. All right, fellas. I don't got much else. Uh, great podcast. We've talked, you know, legal. We've talked, uh, you know, esports industry. We've talked skateboarding. We've talked the entertainment. It's been good. Any. Uh, Last remarks. First of all, uh, Andrew, where can everybody find you? Just shout out your socials real quick. Yeah. So, jeez, uh, what is my Twitter? Let's check real quick. <laughs> I think it's the last square, or it might just be Andrew Goodwin. We'll, we'll be dropping it on the screen, but for the people li- listening. Yeah, on TikTok, that's where that's where you can find me. Lil underscore Esquire. It's also my SoundCloud name. Not really. I got a question uh, real quick. Last more question. Do you have a picture of you as a JCPenney model? Because I would love to show that. Yeah, we got to put that up on the screen. That would be, uh, you're, he, yes, he's going to send it to us for everybody listening. Yeah, I'll, send it, I'll send you some, some quality content. The, the, the one that uh, my middle school found was me wearing a Snoopy shirt. And Snoopy was like tangled in lights. It was seventh grade, and and they found that, and you know, middle schoolers, they ran yeah, yeah. I got shipped with that for so long, <laughs> but whatever, I made money. Okay. Speaking of middle school, uh, another just last minute question: When when did you personally know, like, hey, I want to be a lawyer? Like, what age was that? Because oh. I I have a I have like you you were mentioning you have some beefs with the law school system. I have beefs with like the school system, the way it's set up, where kids are so pressured so young to like know what they have to do or want to do so you you're now a lawyer you're a successful lawyer um and i wanted to know like when did you know uh so for me i had a it was not until my senior year of college law school was never ever on my radar uh but i I was having a conversation with my friend christian dawson who is an incredible artist he did all of the artwork for our law firm if you've seen that um we have a fun little website uh, but we were having a conversation on my parents' porch my senior year of college, and we were talking like, what does it take to get to the top of any specific industry? Because somebody's, somebody's sitting up there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that conversation spurred a little research on my end, and uh, I did some, some Googling around, and I found at the time I wanted to be a talent agent. So all the top talent agents, everything I read was like they all had law degrees because they needed to know how to navigate these these complex contracts and things like that. So that's what steered me there. And also shout out the U S government and the military, uh, because my, my dad was in the military. He joined in Texas and they have something called the Hazelwood act, uh, which I didn't find out about until also my senior year of college. And that is what paid for the majority of my law school. Um, and, and my, uh, and a scholarship. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what got me there. Right on. So, on, my, on my patio yeah and senior year of college you said so 
for anybody, any young people listening out there and you're, you know, you're still trying to figure out what you want to do, um, you know, continue, I would say my advice would be continue on a path of that puts you in a place where you're set up for success, meaning get good grades in school, continue to pursue something, but you don't have to have it all figured out at 16, 17. Yeah. Find, find someone in the position that you want to be in and cold email them, cold, just get in contact with them in some way. Almost every single time they're going to sit down and talk to you. Unless it's like, you know, you want to be Kanye West, right? It's going to be harder to contact him. But like, you know, in normal industries, just contact someone in a position you want to be in and be like, hey, let's chat. I want to hear about how you got there and then try and emulate that. That's that's kind of what my path was when I was, I know we tried to wrap this up and, and I nope. talked too much. But, no, man. Podcasts, uh, this is what they do. Yeah. When I was in, uh, when I was in community college, I was uh, driving a pedicab, which is like a bicycle with the, the seats behind it. I was living in Austin, Texas during South by Southwest. And I was doing that and I gave a ride to a guy named Eric Kuhn, who was the social media agent, one of the first of his kind uh, at United Talent Agency, which is one of the big three agencies out in, uh, in the world at this point. Um, and he was like, dude, don't worry about whatever college you degree you get, just get one and then go do an internship somewhere. Uh, and that's what inspired me to go back into college. Uh, or I guess I was in community college to continue college because I was going to stop after community college because right. I was like I'm doing it to satisfy my dad. But uh, shout out to to all those people that forced me to stay in school. Um, yeah, it was a long grind, but I'm I'm happy to have the degrees. Maybe I'll get them framed at some point. I love hearing stories like that because it's like you never know who you're going to meet, when you're going to meet them, and what they're going to say that can literally steer your life in a certain Dude, direction. Change, change your life. One conversation can change the entire trajectory, and I can pinpoint all those conversations in my life. Yeah, I love those stories. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if it weren't for me seeing Gary V on Instagram and like tuning into his stuff, uh, I wouldn't be here today and what I'm doing right now and trying to get into the world of esports. I mean, yeah, it's kind of different from your path. So I joined the army right out of high school and I'm still serving today active duty. I hit 12 years, uh, July 7th. Nice. I was I was scared to death of financial hardship and I did. I had no idea what I wanted to do my senior year of high school. I played football, you know, I, I got good grades. I worked at a grocery store, but I was just like, I don't want to go to junior college and just party and like not and, 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 and pull out loans and have to pay them back. So I said, hey, screw it. I'm going to just get some structure. I'm going to join the army. Long story short, I found out I was good at my job and doing what I decided to do. But now it's kind of like, OK, I'm getting towards the tail end of my career. I got about eight years left before I can actually retire. And now I got to really I've figured out what I want to do. You know, yeah. and it's always yeah. about just experimenting. Go try something, go try it, get that experience, get yeah. that, you know, just if you want to be an underwater basket weaver, go on Google, <laughs> go on YouTube and check it <laughs> out, man. Yeah. <laughs> Find out Wait, it's a, it's either good for you or not, or you meet someone along the way trying to teach you how to weave a basket underwater. And you're just like, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to <laughs> be the manufacturer of the weaving material. You never know, you know? So, yeah. Gotta love his examples. That's a great example. I love it as well. All right, fellas. Good podcast. Wrapping it up. Any last words, Jimbo? No, I mean, I just appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, talking to us. I'd be happy to have you back on again, you know. And also, like, let's game, man. Let's get on, uh, let's get on the sticks. 
Look, I'll I'll, uh, I'll hop in some Call of Duty with you guys. Uh, I just have to make sure I have like uh, two terabytes of memory free so I can do the update real quick. Yeah, we'll uh, do whatever you want. We'll do Warzone. We'll do regular whatever you want. I think I think Warzone's up- updated currently, actually. So I'd be, I'd be down to hop on there with you guys. Is Apex crossplay? Crossplay, free to play, baby. I'll download that tonight on my. I yeah. got a Series X, and I got all the. I got all the space in the world right now because all I have is Call of Duty downloaded on it. So yeah, let's play some Apex, man. I'll, I'll show you the ropes. Yeah, I'll have to get downloaded. I, I got my entire clan to move from Call of Duty to Apex, and now it's that's that's <laughs> the thing because it's better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, look forward to continuing to work with you on a professional level as well as you know do some more content in the future look forward to that definitely thanks for having me guys i really had a good time all right everybody don't forget to like comment subscribe on this video we appreciate anybody who's made it this far in the video and anybody who's continuing to support us we got a lot of big things happening behind the scenes so stay tuned and uh, we'll catch you next time Peace. peace